Welcome to Living by Faith, where each week we will hear from God's Word, engage with captivating guests, and be encouraged to live by faith in our everyday. I'm your host, Trillia Newbell. I don't know a greater time for the need for faith than when we are suffering. God's Word tells us that He draws near to the brokenhearted. And he will never leave nor forsake us. We need these promises in the midst of trouble. Colleen Chow is the author of In the Hands of a Fiercely Tender God and Out of the Shadow World, books that were written in the wake of her terminal cancer diagnosis. She makes her home just outside of Boise, Idaho, with her husband, Eddie, their son, Jeremy, and Willow, the dog. I don't think I've heard of Willow, the dog, but I know that I love Colleen. (laughs) She is just a joy and a very special guest. So Colleen, tell us uh, just, I really want to start with your faith story. I know people love to hear how people came to um, faith, how they came to know the Lord. Can you tell us and start us off with that? I think that's a great place for us to start. I love that. And I love sharing the story. Um, When I was little, I I grew up in a Christian home. My dad was a pastor and I was the child no one wanted to start their family with. (laughs) I gave my parents a run for their money. (laughs) Okay, let's pause. Let's pause. You got to give us a story. We need to know what does that mean? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I was really good at lying, even when I was three and four. I I was skilled. And then I just had this creative way of getting into trouble and doing things that, you know, even as a toddler, just strong-willed, stubborn, throwing fits in the store, all the, you know. (laughs) Just doing it all. Yeah. Yep. And then... From there, even until I would say age seven or eight, just had this propensity to do some really bad things. So, um, okay. get, we'll get leave it at that. Into, we'll leave it at that. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I asked my parents at some point along the way, I said, Why did you have five kids after me? I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. So, yeah. So, even at four years old, I could totally understand and get a simple gospel message because I, I saw my sin, like at a, as a four-year-old, I, I understood that I was messed up and I needed help. And so I made a simple decision when my parents, I was drawing on the wall and putting my little Grover picture over it because I knew mm. I, I shouldn't draw on the wall, but I wanted to. So I did it behind a picture. And um and my parents came That's in. That's really and they, actually kind of funny. <laughs> isn't that so creative? <laughs> so at that point, I yes, I just was like, yes, I need a savior. Yeah. Um, but it was at eleven that I ended up with an ulcer, just oh, with guilt over the many different sins I'd done. And at that point, God just arrested my heart with His Word, and I. At age 11, going 11. And I just saw again, I was like, I not only need Jesus to be my savior, I need him to be Lord of my life because I'm a train wreck. (laughs) Like, look at the trouble I get myself in. (laughs) Wow. Did you have a mentor or someone who was pouring into your life? So because that's really young. It is young. It, you know, it it ended up at, you know, it's always a series of things and people, but it ended up, it was at a, an Awana camp 
that Mm. they challenged kids to get in the word. And my heart responded. I think the spirit was just like, look at your need, look at what you've done um, in the previous years, and you need me past a salvation decision. Mm. So at that point, I got in the word every single day for from then on, like I really missed a day in the word. And I like my relationship with the Lord in my teen years exploded. It was so fruitful. It was such a huge, it was kind of flip-flopped. You know, you, you tend to think, oh, the kids get in trouble in their teen years. For me, it was my young years. And then my teen years were this amazing time with the Lord. They were messy. They were hard, but, um, that's when, that's when the relationship exploded into being. So, and then from there, the story goes on, but those were the two significant young decisions. What a mercy (laughs) for the Lord. It's so young. And then for your teenage years to be captivated by Jesus and to be in the word so frequently, that's just, that's really a miracle of God's grace and kindness. I think often when we think about faith stories, we think about Paul, like it needs to be this radical, (laughs) you know, and (laughs) And the Lord, he, when he transforms a heart, he transforms a heart. It doesn't yes. matter. It's all a miracle. And so this to yes. me is just such a kindness of God at, yes. for you at such a young age. Yep. And yeah. so you have five then other siblings? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so there's it, a lot of family. <laughs> yeah. I actually grew up with two brothers and then three, my okay. parents had three more when I was in college. So it's a, it's a unique oh. story. So I didn't grow up with four or five other siblings, but, but yeah, it, it's a, yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Well, okay. So we've heard about your faith journey and your faith story, but mm-hmm. you've had some disappointments in your life. Mm-hmm. And I want us to dive yeah. into that and and how the Lord has carried you through that. So tell me, mm-hmm. how did you handle the news that you had stage four cancer? Mm. Man, I, you know, like for any of us, God's faithfulness over the years, uh, again, a series of circumstances and mercies and hardships and people that led to that moment of receiving yeah. some of the hardest news we get, right? And and hard news can come in a variety of ways. It doesn't have to be terminal. Um, cancer. But in that moment, God had prepared and equipped me for decades to sit in that um, medical building and hear a doctor say, you don't have long. And there, I marvel at his mercies. Like you were saying, even my story, the way he pursued and captured my heart, um, I I marvel at his miracles and mercies in my life so that when I sat there, I had this history with a very good God that had proven over and over again through Mm. a series of different kinds of sufferings that he would be faithful and he would turn this into something above and beyond all I could ask or imagine. So there was a grace bubble he put around me in that moment to help me perceive his presence and his goodness. And then I think, you know, I think he does that when we get bowled over by hard news, right? He he can kind of buffer the full weight of what's coming. And then in the following days and weeks, some of that played out. And then there was um, the deep, dark pits. And there was the going into my closet in the fetal position and weeping Mm. and mourning and wailing. And 
Um, so, but in those first moments, so much grace, so much protection from the full reality of what was going to come um, in the following weeks. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, it's um, there's a few things that you said that really stood out to me. The first one was that the Lord had been preparing you for this suffering. Mm. Um, it makes me think of that scripture verse, which I'm going to forget, but but don't be don't be surprised when the fiery trial mm. comes. And <laughs> yes. yes. And so it, it just it does sound like you were you were prepared. And there's a part of me mm-hmm. that wonders if all of those years, starting at the age mm-hmm. of eleven, when mm-hmm. you were just diving into the Lord's word and learning yeah. about his character and his nature and who he is, if it prepared you for this very hard suffering as a young woman. Yes. You're you're yes. young. Um and yeah. so middle aged, we're all young at yeah, middle age. I, I, <laughs> we'll call it young. <laughs> we'll call it young. You're but you really it is young. It's a very yeah, young age. Sure. And so yes. and so I do believe do wonder if 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 that was a a part of that preparing do you do you see that like that kind of diving into god's word and as um as part of that prep for that hard news that you were receiving a hundred percent i i thought so often about deuteronomy thirty two forty seven where um it says that these are not idle words these are your mm. very life and that's what I've proven again and again. This is my very lifeline. This is the roots. This is the fruit. This is every, I find in the word everything I need because I find Jesus, right? It's not mm-hmm. just head knowledge. It's this experience with a living God who is at work for my eternal good. And so decades of being in hearing his words to me, um, saturated and I haven't always been faithful to that but just the the longevity of that time hearing from him and understanding more of him and um it it is just rich and sweet and I'm experiencing some of the fruit of that sometimes we don't Mm. see that for a long time right we're just we get in the word we ask God to do something with us in that word. And then over time, I think suffering becomes this opportunity to prove the word, to see if we can take Jesus at his word, if he truly is who he says he is in his word. And time and again, I've gotten to do that. And that Mm. creates some muscle memory. Like I've seen him be faithful before. I've called out to him. He's answered me. The psalmist says that again and again. I cried out to you. You answered me. And that is an incredible um, privilege and joy to look back at decades of that. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Well, one of the the goals of this program is that we can help listeners take God at his word and live mm. our lives accordingly. So to mm. hear you say that, I was like, yes, that's, that's yeah. our heart, our hope, what we want yes. to help and encourage people to do. And so mm. with that in mind, you also mentioned being in a fetal position in a closet, that (laughs) suffering was hard. Like there's dark, dark days. So in those dark days where it feels Mm -hmm. long, you feel um, like you're alone, maybe. How do you encourage, how is, two questions, how has your heart been encouraged by the Lord Mm -hmm. and how might you encourage other people? Mm. Yeah, I love that question because I think what I've, I've proven, gotten to prove God to be true to take him at his word. I've also gotten to see 
there is nothing good in me. Um, Psalm 16 says, apart from you, Lord, I have no good thing. And I think that's what's happened in the the unraveling of my life, the crushing of me. Um, I've gotten to see that there's no good thing in me. And so what happens in those moments of crying out to God and saying, I have nothing, nothing on my own to make it through this next moment. I don't want to make it through this next moment, but then I do want to make it through this next moment, but not to face another one like this. (laughs) So all these different emotions that then in, in that crying out to him, there is such a unique attachment going on between me and Jesus. There is, as I'm remembering what he says in his word, as I'm sensing his spirit um, working in me and ministering to me, I am forming a bond with Jesus that is so strong at this point um, because I have needed him time and again. I have kept going to him and going to him and going to him. Um, Like I, I said before, I have not been faithful many times. I have blown it. I have seen you know, I think suffering reveals everything yucky in us. <laughs> like, mm. uh, there's just a lot of mess in me. But he has been faithful, like Second Timothy says, if we are faithless, he remains, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. So in those moments of seeing that, I'm strengthened, I can pick myself back up off that closet floor, and step forward and do that next thing. Because he is with me, he is good, he is holding me together, he is my rock, like just all these promises that I can absolutely lean into um, and find him to be who he's promised to be in his word. Yeah. So yeah. it's messy, right? I, I think yeah. we want this clean, um, beautiful packaged experience with God. It's not for me. Like it's it's messy, it's broken. Um, but it is beautiful as I cling to him, as I lean into him and say, you've got to be for me what I cannot be for myself. Um, and he's always faithful. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Colleen. He is always faithful. Stick around. We will be right back. We're back with author Colleen Cho talking through suffering. I know that there are many who are confused when faced with suffering. They wonder, where is God in this? So here's a question for you, for the person who, you you are filled with faith. You, you know your Lord, you um, speak about him. It pours out of you. But what how can you encourage the person who is listening and is longing to have that faith, longing to know, mm. longing to be there and to have have a surety that God, mm. what God says in his word, like he will never leave and forsake you is true. Mm. Um, but they're, they're just like, ah, I feel cheated. That's how they, yes. they they're like, yes. what, what actually I've, I feel like God is cheating me. Well, how do you encourage someone in that state? Mm. Oh, I love your questions, Trillia. Yeah, I think um, that's such a human 
experience is to feel those things and to feel the negative emotions of either anger, sadness, shame, all those, you know, um, anxiety. These are human emotions and God can take those. And so the first thing I would say is pour your heart out to God like water in his presence, Lamentations Mm. 3 says. Pour it out. He can take our full, unedited mess. He can take it. He can handle it. And although we desperately need community through suffering through these times to build us up, Hebrews is really clear on that. Um, We need each other to live out faith. But I think ultimately no human can take our full, (laughs) our full disaster, right? So God can be that first person and um, can take that fullness of our negative emotions and our wrestling. He can handle it. And then the second thing I would say is we plant slowly, we grow slowly, and that is a beautiful thing. I I look at where I'm at now and I think, man, I should be so much further along than I am. But I marvel at how God is so patient with me. And yeah. He just addresses one thing at a time with me, and he works through his word, through the body of believers. He's working on me faithfully, patiently, and we change little by little. And so even, you know, just getting in the word every day um, is such a hope-filled practice because there is fruit from that. Um, But we don't see that overnight. It doesn't, this is not a a quick fix. It's not um, an easy solution that we come to in these hard places where we do feel like he's cheated us. We can say that to him, God, I feel like you've cheated me. I'm angry. I've yelled at God. He's been able to handle that, you know, and then to say, but I'm going to stay in your word and I'm going to stay connected with believers and I'm going to keep putting the next foot in front of the other by your strength, by your grace. And eventually we see the fruit, you know, he doesn't solve the pro I still have terminal cancer, but the joy and the fruit that's come with him walking with him through this is spectacular. So Mm. I think it's that slow growing, pour it out to God, stay connected with believers, stay in the word. It will pay off rich dividends. And Hebrew says, um, you know, we, faith is believing that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Mm. Um, I think that's 11, five through six um, in Hebrew. So that is, that's hopeful. It is hopeful. It's so hopeful. And it gives us a place to go. We don't have to go. We don't have to be alone, even in our sorrow, in our dark closets. (laughs) We are there with the Lord. He draws near to the brokenhearted. And that's something that we can cling to and believe. Now, you have mentioned staying in the word several times now. And Mm -hmm. so I know that a lot of people run to Job, the book of Job, yeah, when yeah. we're thinking about <laughs> suffering, which is a very confusing book, actually, <laughs> with all of their, all of the it friends. Is. You're like, what are the friends saying? It's so confusing. <laughs> um, but we, yes. we, we go, we go there and we go to mm-hmm. the Psalms, um, yeah. which obviously, oh goodness, if you are suffering and struggling, go to the Psalms, Mm, read the Psalms. It gives you words for your lament and crying out to the Lord and reminds you your hope is in God. 
But yeah. are there other places that you find yourself running to or, or leaning mm. in um, during the season that, um, mm. yeah, I know that you, I think I saw recently that you were listening to the Bible, um, but mm. are there other, yeah. is there a certain place that you find yourself running to again and again? Mm. Absolutely. The Psalms. I feel like they just flow in my veins over the last couple of decades of a variety of, of hard years. And, um, but it's interesting since my terminal diagnosis, it's been, I spent nine or 10 months in Luke and the last seven or eight months in Hebrews. And I just go deep. And so, um, I'm listening through the Bible in 90 days just to come back up because I've been so deep, like verse by verse, <laughs> um, soaking in these, these books, but then I'll, I'll come back up too for, okay, I want that 30,000 foot view again of the, the big epic story that these books fit into Luke and Hebrews. Um, but I would say the Psalms, it's like a, it's my default. <laughs> I just, yeah. it's the way I think and talk and cry and pray. And I'll, I'll listen in bed when I'm physically not able to get up and sit and have, you know, time in the word, I'll put on my audio Bible to the Psalms and I'll just pray the words that are being read aloud and cry out with the words. Um, so yeah, absolutely. Absolutely the Psalms. But then I love choosing a book and just going deep and asking God questions and and praying back those verses to him and asking him to make certain realities true for me and um, asking him to help me experience him in those books. Not just, again, not just for that head knowledge or to check off I had my quiet time today, but God, help me see you and experience you and and believe your love and um, enlarge my heart for you. And so, yeah. I love it. I love the book of Hebrews. <laughs> it's so you're talking about diving into a book and feeling refreshed and reminder yes. that Jesus is better. He's the better yes. Adam. He's, the, he's just better. And yes. um, as you were talking about, I, it reminded me of Hebrews 10, uh, 23. Let us hold fast the mm. confession of our hope without wavering. For he yes. who promised is faithful. He <laughs> is faithful, right? <laughs> and we need that reminder that we can hold fast to the Lord, fast to our confession, hold fast to what we believe because he is faithful. He will surely yes. do it. He will make it so. So as and and to think that he draws near to us even in these these days of trouble, I think is just um, remarkable, but he doesn't yeah. just draw near in days of trouble. He draws near mm -hmm. all the time. He's with us. Yes. God does not leave us. So I, I know you <laughs> well enough <laughs> to know that you have a lot of joy. You mm -hmm. are one who has had a lot of joy as you've suffered. So mm -hmm. how do you, how do you find that joy in the midst mm -hmm. of all of your suffering? Mm -hmm. I could cry over that question because mm. I prayed um, maybe 17 to 20 years ago. Um, my regular prayer became, God, would you make me a woman of joy? Mm. Um, and it just chokes me up to think that he would use such different paths to grow joy in me. And um, I think of the psalm that says, 
um, those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. And I think there's this joyful radiance when we behold God again and again and again, when we're looking to him. And for me, it's meant many different kinds of sufferings to get my eyes on him constantly, because I am so prone to self-sufficiency, to pride, to I can do this. I'm independent. I'm that toddler that was strong-willed and independent. That's still in me. (laughs) So this ability to go to God for me has come through him crushing me. And I am so grateful for that because as I've looked to him, you cannot look at Jesus and not get joy. It's just impossible. He is the most, Psalm 45 says, he is the most joyful of all his companions. Um, it, it, you know, as we, as we study the word, we do not get a somber faced Jesus, God, mm. we get a radiant, joyful, life-giving, hope-filled, comforting. I mean, I could just go on and on. He is the most compelling being. And people, prostitutes and and fishermen and people didn't just leave their ways of life and follow a gloomy God, right? Like Jesus was more joyful than all of his companions. And so when we behold him, when we spend time with him, when we experience his presence, joy comes and it just, there's no way around it. And so it's not because I, I I'm a piece of work. Like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I can be grumpy and selfish and whiny on my own, but I have experienced so much of Jesus that he has planted so much joy in me. It's, I just, again, I stand back in awe of his faithfulness to me. Hmm. You are listening to Living by Faith. I'm your host, Trillia Newbell, and we'll be back with Colleen Cho in just a second. Welcome back to Living by Faith with Trillia Nouvelle. We're talking to Colleen Cho. In these days, what do you do for joy? So what does joy look like besides um, besides your face being radiant, which it is, <laughs> and, you're, you're, <laughs> and you radiate joy. But is there anything that you're doing right now that really brings you joy? Yes, actually, it's something I learned about seven, eight years ago, I struggled with chronic anxiety and panic attacks for a long season. And at one point, I was like, I want some handles, I need some, I need some handles for this, I want to grow and I want to see some victory in this area. I don't want to live like this forever. And so God being so faithful started putting these resources and people in my path. And one thing I learned through that was getting time face to face, whether that's a a video chat or in person, getting time with people who remind me of who I am Mm. and love me and light up to see me. Now the brain science is proving this, but it changes our brains and it builds joy into us. It's like Hmm. the baby who looks to their mom and that baby smiles when they look at their mom's eyes, you know, make eye contact. There's this joy that the baby just naturally spontaneously has. And that's what happens when I get with my best friends or the people that are life-giving in my sphere, I, it changes me and it 
builds strength for the suffering because I can, I can go to dark places still. Um, but that's when I'll go, okay, I, I got to make sure, even though I'm feeling like the pits this week, I got to get face to face with a really good friend who's going to remind me of who I am and who's going mm-hmm. to laugh with me. And, um, and that builds joy. It's incredible how that's transformed some really, really ugly weeks. Of well, the it last, makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it makes a yes. lot of sense because, well, in funny enough, we're going to in Hebrews ten since we've been talking <laughs> about Hebrews, um, yep. in that in that chapter that I was reading about how we can hold fast our confession of faith. Um, yes. Later on in that chapter, so it's all about this theology. It's like uh, the mm. whole theology, theology, and then all of a sudden it turns. And in Hebrews ten twenty four, it says, "And let us consider how to stir up one another <laughs> to love and good works, not yes. neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near." Yes. And Mm. there is this, I always found it kind of perplexing and a little peculiar that in the midst of all this theology about God, he says, oh, and by the way, don't neglect meeting together. (laughs) There's a reason. There's a reason. (laughs) We need one another. We can't do it alone. We need that encouragement to stir one another up, to to keep, to remind each other of the faith. We, yes. we need each other. And so it doesn't surprise me. And it's, it's actually mm-hmm. so interesting that part of the thing that brings you joy and that reminds you to, to keep running this race of mm-hmm. endurance um, is, is other people. And you have friends who encourage you and, um, and keep you going. And what a blessing. So thinking yeah. of that, because I also mentioned, I also mm-hmm. mentioned Job and his mm-hmm. terrible friends who kept <laughs> accusing him. So how yep. do we be like your friends who can mm. help someone suffer well, who can come alongside them, be a good friend? Um, what does that look like to be a good friend to the suffering? Oh, I love that. And you know, Job, it's funny, his friends had a lot of right things to say about God, right? Exactly. I mean, you you read these truths and you're like, right on, but their timing was, their timing and delivery was horrible. Right. (laughs) And so I think it comes back um, to being able to ask God for wisdom. Like the first thing I do now when, and I have just gone through a month of grieving deeply with friends uh, through multiple kinds of deaths. Um, and mourning. And each time I'm like, God, I have no clue what to say right now, but would you give me your heart and wisdom as I enter into this very fragile, tender space with this precious Mm -hmm. person that I love so much so that I don't add to their burdens or, or break them, you know, with my words, because I'm, we're all capable of that. None of us is God. And so we're all capable of, doing really human stupid things and saying hurtful things and not showing up or showing up too much or whatever it is. So um, I think that asking God for wisdom and then developing this ability to synchronize with where people are at. And this is, I think, kind of a lost skill in our culture. We're not good listeners in general, you know, the listening is a lost art. And so I think just developing that skill of being a really good question asker, and we see this in Jesus, he modeled this so beautifully, to ask questions to 
get to the heart of someone instead of coming in with a pat Romans 8, 28, you know, <laughs> yeah. God works yeah. all things, which he does together work for the good things. of those together. Yeah. For, right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> but there's a timing and there's a, a yeah. way of, of entering into those very fragile places with people. So asking wisdom and then trying to really listen well and synchronize, like, where is this person at right now in this moment? And what's God's heart for them that I could bring into this suffering? So um, I have failed at this probably more than I've succeeded with others who are suffering. And I've, you know, I've been on the receiving end of beautiful, wonderful, life-giving ministry through people. And I've been hurt deeply in the fragile places. And I think that's all of us, right? We've been on both ends of this. And so just God, give us wisdom, help us have your heart. Amen to that. So when I was thinking about um, just times when I have experienced suffering and and the reality is, is that most people are well-meaning. <laughs> they are yes. not trying to harm you. They're Absolutely not trying not. to, they, they think they are being helpful and contributing and, and, and serving. So even if yeah. you have just totally messed up the Lord, he's, he's faithful. He forgives. Yes. And there's so often we just don't know how to handle um, mm-hmm. someone else's pain and sorrow. We don't know how to do handle it well. Yeah. And so we tend to f- try to fill in the blanks or fix or, yeah. and, <laughs> and it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's not um, helpful. And One of the things that I would love to hear you um, speak to is I think sometimes listening well is one, it's helpful, it's needed, you need to listen. But I also think you don't always have to talk. And so Mm, I I think that there's a there's a temptation for us to feel like we have to have an answer for everything. (laughs) And like there isn't a mystery. And Uh, it makes me think of William Cowper. I believe that's the hymn Mm. writer. God moves in a mysterious way. And if he's moving in a mysterious way and we think we have all the answers, well, you know, that's, Uh. it's it's like this unsearchableness of him kind of goes away. So what, what, what do you think about that? Do you think that Mm. someone needs to have a thing to say or what's the is there value in silence and not saying anything or does that actually create some isolation oh that's yeah it's really good i think the first thing that popped into my head was ecclesiastes you know god is in heaven let your words be few kind of thing where sometimes it's what you're talking about that mystery of god that we just want to solve all the mysteries instead of being okay with living in the tension um of things we don't understand. And, um, and I knew a lot in my twenties. I will say that I had a, I had a ton, I had answers for everything. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) And I just cringe at the, the ways I, I hurt people because I, I had pat answers and what God did is through crushing circumstances, one after another through my twenties and thirties and into my forties. Now he has, slowed down my tongue. <laughs> he, I am much more um, reticent to give any answer unless it's the solid core truths, right? That we cling mm-hmm. to that the gospel and who Jesus is, those things are solid. Um, but the mystery in there, I love that you, you bring up that word because that's it. And 
it's okay to feel the tension, to not solve anything and to not fix the thing that is really, really hard to live through and yeah. to let it go unfixed. And this has been on my heart even recently. So I'm glad you, you've brought this up because there are still things I want to fix before I go. And it's, yeah. it's even more pressing because I have to entrust that my 11 year old son, I, I get to just hold him up to God and say, there are things as a mom that moms want to do, you know, before their, their child graduates from high school, I don't get to do that. And I get to live in that mystery of why, why would you take me before I get mm. to speak into some of these areas and pray him through some of these things that are coming at him in his teens. Um, I can trust God. He's trustworthy. And so mm. with others too, who are suffering and I want to fix it, I can entrust them to God. I don't have to be God. I don't have to fix it. It's hard. It's hard to it is. open our white knuckled fingers and say, I trust you, God, with this person I love with all my being. You are listening to Living by Faith. I'm your host, Trillia Newbell. Stick around. We will be right back with Colleen Cho. You're listening to Living by Faith with Shirley Newell. We're talking with Colleen Cho. Are there things that you are doing now to help pre prepare for mm -hmm. that time when you are no longer with your son? Yeah, definitely, man. I am. <laughs> I'm kind of a Type A person, so as soon as I got I my am terminal diagnosis, yeah. oh, are you okay? Good. <laughs> so I opened my Word doc on my laptop, like was it the day after I get this terminal diagnosis? And I'm like, all the things that I need to do. <laughs> and I've got this bullet point list, right? The things that I need to yeah. tackle. Um, so yes, I have done a lot of different things to take pressure off um, my husband and son for once I'm gone. But also the biggest thing, the biggest thing um, that God calls us to is to pray for our kids and our husbands yes. and those we love. And I heard, I don't know where this quote came from, but I heard this beautiful um, quote that says, our children will live in the atmosphere of our prayers. And so even mm. when I've gone, all the things I have prayed over my son, like nobody's business, those mm. prayers, God will continue to answer. He's not bound by space and time, right? And so yeah. I will physically be gone, but the atmosphere of my prayers, he will answer and continue to answer. That is so hope-filled. So that's the greatest thing I feel like I could do at this point um, mm. for him. Let's just pray for him. I, I, yeah. I know that you have also written, and in the hands mm. of a fiercely tender God makes me, I, I could cry even mm. thinking about it right now. And so mm. as you're, what, tell us about what you, what, what led you to want to write this book and, um, mm. and a little bit about it for those who might be looking for a resource. Mm. Yeah. Well, can I just throw in the fact that that phrase was in my introduction and you were the one <laughs> who took that phrase and said, Colleen, this makes an amazing title. 
I I just will always just love you so much for that and for many other things. But I just loved God was leading you to and people have responded so much to that title, Mm. that phrase. So um, but yeah, this book is so precious to me. And um, it it was the pouring out of my heart to be able to give witness to a God who's been really good to me through so many unexpected chapters of my life, through so many Mm. disappointments and deaths to dreams. And he has more than outgiven me. He, you know, it's, it's Psalm 63, three, your faithful love is better than life, God. And that is, that was the impetus of this book was to say, I have experienced God's love in suffering and to be able to gently, I wanted to write a gentle book because when I am in the thick of the worst days of suffering, I don't want to pick up this heavy tome to right. <laughs> and read it from cover to cover. I want a small word. And that's what I wanted to do with this book was a small, gentle word of hope, but of also being real to say, it's okay to be broken. It's okay to unravel. It's okay to weep and wail. And mm. uh, so I wanted to do both to to be raw and real about how hard it can be and to encompass a lot of different kinds of hardships. Um, because suffering is, it's not a competitive sport, right? We all bring right. what is hard to the table and it's hard for us. And so, um, you know, cancer doesn't have a corner on the market of suffering. There have been many different things in my life that have forced me to Jesus and that have proven his love for me. So it's a little bit Mm. of what I wanted to, to do in that book, to care for others who just don't think they can wake up to another day like today, you know, like, how am I going to make it through today, let alone wake up to another like it. So just to give a small word of hope and encouragement on those days to them. Mm, well, so many people have just shared how that book has comforted, encouraged, and been like a a, a warm blanket with them mm. during those hard, hard days. And so I'm just mm. so grateful that you would put pen to paper and, or I guess mm. fingers to computer, tap, <laughs> tap, tap your fingers. Um, but it's just, mm. it's just a joy and a blessing. And it has been to so many people. I mm. would be totally remiss not to mention Out of the Shadow World too. It's your fiction book. And mm. though, if you want, what tell us the a real brief synopsis of it, because I would love for mm. people to grab this book. Mm, well, I wrote it for originally for my son as he watched me yes. going through cancer. And then my nephew who was going through, who was going through treatment for leukemia, little, little guy. And I wanted to be able to flesh out what we were talking about with Jeremy um, about you know, a theology of suffering that I wanted to pass along to him. I wanted to give that to him in story form and to Mm. help him feel seen and understood that he could experience um, hope, but also real, you know, hope out of the raw realness of suffering as a kid through an adventure. So to do it in a light way, in a way that was winsome and disarming and fun and funny, um, that was my goal. And then I just started praying, God, would would you use this story for other kids who are also suffering in a variety of ways? 
Mm, well, with that in mind, I'd love for you to pray. And would you pray for a couple of people? One, the sufferer, but also mm. would you pray for for a a parent either who is suffering or a parent mm. who is caring for a child who is suffering, which in and of itself is suffering. So would yes. you pray for that, for oh, those people for that. us? Thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Jesus, thank you so much that you're with us in these places that are unspeakable and that seem to, um, that threaten to be our undoing and that you meet us right in that place. And I pray for the one listening who doesn't know if they can make it to the next moment. And I ask you to minister your spirit to them, to bring a word of promise to them from your Bible, from your word, that you would care for the depths of their soul right now, that they would experience your presence. And I just think of Psalm 73, the nearness of God is my good. Would your nearness right now be their good? Mm -hmm. And would you give them grace, everything they need for the next moment? ahead for the next step. And I pray for the parent who is watching their child suffer, either watching them suffer or the child suffer themselves. Um, would you help them understand your father's heart and what you did with your only son? And would that just minister to them that you understand the grief of watching your own son suffer and that you can do something about this suffering and that you have glorious, glorious good, um, an eternal weight of glory that will far surpass all this grief and all this pain on the other side of things waiting for them. Um, would you help them to feel the reality of that right now. And would you minister to their family, care for them, surround them with other people who will love on them well for you. Um, thank you, Jesus, that you care about our suffering. And I think of Isaiah 63, 9, in all their suffering, he too suffered and the angel of his presence saved them. So I pray that you would Help them know that you are mixing your tears with theirs, that you're with them, and that you can save them um, from this suffering. In your precious Amen. name we pray. <laughs> Amen. Thank you so much, Colleen. I'm so grateful for you. I'm so grateful for you, Trillia. Thanks for this time. I'd like to thank my guest, Colleen Cho, for joining me today. Also, thanks to the behind-the-scenes team at Moody Radio, my producer, Karen Hendren, and engineer, Courtney Young. To hear today's program again, you'll find it at livingbyfaithradio.org or on the Moody Radio app. You may also connect with us through Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Living by Faith. Living by Faith is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute. 